Welcome to episode 53 of The People on Kei Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. On this episode, our guests are E.J. Hill and Dylan Mira. Our guest E.J. Hill is an artist from South Central Los Angeles. When I'm just kind of like walking through the world, existing, and there are like forces enacting themselves upon my body and like me reacting to those things as a person in the world, you know, within a myriad of identifications. I'm just kind of like also trying to figure out where I fit and how I fit alongside other people. Um, and a lot of that because I feel things so intensely, much of the work comes or, or manifests in, in a way of like making the internal feelings external so, so that I can like ground them in like a, in a reality. Dylan Mira is an artist who lives in Los Angeles and grew up between the Midwestern United States and East Asia. I'm interested in texture as a way of communicating and sharing information. This kind of practice of decolonizing knowledge, thinking about like, thinking and feeling actually about how we're communicating and how we share information. At the end of the show, we'll hear from Los Angeles band FUPU, or Fuck You, Pay Us. The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond. It's like a broken record, magically repaired. You can listen to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM, every third Sunday at 3 PM. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for The People Radio in the iTunes store. And you can find us at insertblancpress.net. Just go there and click on The People at the top of the page. EJ Hill and Dylan Mira, welcome to the people. Thank you guys. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So EJ, can you tell us about the piece, A Monumental Offering of Potential Energy, its original version, which then was at Human Resources here in LA as a subsequent offering. Tell us about that restaging, the evolution of the piece. Um, So the the original work was something that I developed for almost an entire year when I was a resident at the Studio Museum, uh, which was the first time I'd ever had that much time and space to focus solely on one show. And that was was really cool because I was able to to think of nothing but that, really. Um, Took about eight months to to plan and build, um, and then about three to perform the work. Um, so yeah, so the the performance was so um, grueling and intense uh, that I decided that when the work gets shown, I, I couldn't, I don't want to ever do that again. Um, I don't think that it just wouldn't make sense. Um, and for people who don't know, what what is the grueling aspect of it? What's the performative aspect? Uh, so there's this like forty about forty foot long roller coaster, um, the sculpture, the scaled down roller coaster that's like maybe eight or nine feet at its tallest point, um, and then about forty feet long, and about like six to eight feet wide. Uh, and then in one portion of the sculpture, there's a a plat a wooden platform that I would lie on during all hours that the museum was open. Um, so that was a Thursday to Sundays, um, noon to about 8 p.m., uh, some days like 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. So they were like really long days of lying on a, um, a plywood platform, 
no bathroom breaks, uh, no breaks to like drink water or like have a snack. It was like eight to nine hours straight through for like 16 weeks. Um, so uh, after that, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't want to reperform that. <laughs> um, so in thinking about um, when this work gets shown again, uh, I like thinking about the structure and the sculpture as kind of like a, uh, kind of like a performance relic, you know, like a remnant of an action. But in this case, the remnant is like a pretty big sculpture. Um, like so, that's the documentation of this action. Is this like this kind of like elaborate? bed or stage for a thing that happened um and and so i think that there's like a maybe a a type of spirit or energy imbued into the thing um but so i i wanted to i wanted to go a step further and and not just have it be about the sculpture or the action but like another site for something else to happen um and so uh I raised the platform um, and extended a smaller platform just in front of it. So the sculpture itself sits uh, raised about a foot, and then there's a smaller stage in front that's just like basically an open stage. And that was the you know the subsequent offering. Like it's no longer mine, um, but I also didn't want it to just like sit in a space of being like just viewed. Like mm. I, I I think it needs. It was activated by various performances mm -hmm. in the what three weeks that it was up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it needs action. It needs like it needs movement. I mean, it's you know, it needs human power. Yeah, right? yeah. Other people to hold. Right. Exactly. What was the process like for um, um, inviting people to perform with it? Um, I, I sort of left that up to the people at Human Resources. Um, I just kind of mentioned that, you know, this uh, the sort of ethos of the work was um, uh, creating a space for um, those who exist in bodies that are oftentimes like maybe neglected, ignored, um, pushed aside, relegated to the margins. Like this, this is a work that um, offers, you know, a space of illumination and elevation and just kind of like a more triumphant sort of, um, uh, showcasing or uh, yeah of these bodies and so with that I was like okay you guys since like human resources is is um, like you program events and lectures and screenings and this is sort of like what you do how about I just like create the environment and you do what you do best um, knowing that the the spirit of the piece is like very kind of like specific um, and so they took that into account and curated um, a series of programming and performances that um, like fuck you pay us fupu I think was one of the um, opening uh, uh, one of the opening performances I think they were the first ones um, to perform on the stage and that's like you know like a um, all femme like queer black like uh, punk band you know it was fucking incredible <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> you know um, yeah, I went to another night of performance that um, I saw, I think her name is Maria Maya? Yeah, I heard. That was really, it was, I mean, I had wondered kind of how people would engage, you know, with that sculpture, because um, it's so charged and you had done, you know, a very, like, specific 
um, performance with it. And like, yeah, even there's still like your body imprint is, is like you can cut, you can see it in the platform. So yeah, I was really curious like how people would engage with it. And her performance was really, it was very visceral. She had this kind of breathing thing mm. that she was doing like a kind of call and response with the audience. There was this very intense conversation that happened like through breath and kind of like this kind of, uh, I don't it was like like gasping and like like deep breathing, maybe some kind of like transcendental breath and then like laughter. And there was this way that like it became very, um, mm, that kind of feeling really spread through the audience and then everybody was sort of doing it. Mm. Um, which I guess now I'm thinking about like, oh, like the the experience of, of being on the roller coaster and those kind of like sharing that sort of breath and the ups and downs. Can I ask, is this also the performance where the woman um, had some kind of object at the end of a rope and swinging was it around. Uh, yeah. swinging it around? And it was very visibly dangerous. It was dangerous. Yeah. Like the people in the front were like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, and uh, stepping back. We were there for that, that same performance. It was interesting how it it spread throughout the audience. I couldn't figure out if it was that these were friends of the artist or plants or it, but it did seem really organic mm-hmm. and real mm-hmm. and also dangerous. Well, it's funny because when in like in developing the work at the studio museum, there were several people who, when I told them I kept it, I kept, the performance aspect quiet for a really long time because I was still working through whether this was something I actually wanted to or even could um, successfully complete. Um, but when I finally started talking about it, people were like, "Wait, you? So you want to? You, no, you you can't do like you can't you can't do that." And it like a lot of the times when I talk about new ideas for performances specifically, just the ideas themselves um, to everyone else, it seems like wait, like, that's dangerous, or, like, that you can't, uh, like, you can't, mm-hmm. w- what do you mean? Um, so I, even before making the work, I always find myself fighting for it in in, in a way to um, sort of, like, make it happen. Like, it always feels like before I even make the thing, I have to justify, uh, defend, um, which is kind of a crazy way to make. And I, and, and I only bring that up because of, I remember um, uh, we were just talking about this a little bit, Ago, but when we were in school, Dylan, you had to like fight a lot to sort of like <laughs> show the work you wanted to show and like get people on board. It almost felt like you were, um, I don't know, like beyond the rest of us. You know, we were just like mere like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not what it felt like. But I mean, it's, it makes me think about when you're talking about your project that it's. I mean, the work kind of comes from that place of already ha- living an experience right, where it's being contested. And then as you try to make work that, you know, as much whether or not we acknowledge how it's related to that experience, it's like then the work is contested. Mm. And you're like, oh, it's just, it was, this is just, this is just how it is. This is the experience. And so how do you, like, how do you, how do you move past that though? Like when you're, you know, you're following your, your own kind of, uh, threads and falling down your own rabbit holes and something that kind of, uh, speaks to you, uh, very like loudly and clearly, and you're responding to that, the, 
when you present that or when you're just like trying to communicate the ideas that you already um, or that you're forming um, and people are just kind of like, uh, uh, <laughs> like what's you, what's your sort of like methods for uh, trusting your processes and moving through it? Going back to what we were talking before that there's um, there, there is this like power structure of how we are supposed to be like where information comes from and how we're supposed to be receiving it um which is often a power structure that's outside of um you know what like people of color and women and queers are allowed to like participate in creating um and so i mean there's this this constant reminder um or like trying to like remember and then re-remember that you know the the things that I care about or the things that I'm paying attention to that we're paying attention to like they they come from somewhere and they do resound and I think sometimes um, I'll feel like oh I've made this thing that's really personal and it makes me um, you know I, I'll get like nervous or ashamed and I think you know many of us like have that experience um, and one thing I thought about recently was just being like, oh, the, we have this idea that the personal makes us like singular, that like that experience makes us like alone, that we're the only one that's that's had it. And just even thinking about in making a work like that, like you were there with that cactus with me, you know, it's like we're not we're not doing really any of this stuff completely alone, that we're already that like. You know, it's like Fred Moten always says, like, love, um, love incompletes you, right? Like, we're not just one by ourselves with these experiences. Like, we're already entangled. And so much of, especially because, like, my projects will often kind of try to weave together a lot of different experiences or kind of things that I'm coming across over a long span of time that those are their experiences I'm having with other people. And so I think kind of trying to ground myself in that being like we were all a part of this um just really expands it to like the infinite and i i mean i think that's what people kind of like like in the history of identity art people kind of try to talk about that too that like identity is is this kind of limit and i heard charles gaines actually say this thing about his um show from 93 the um uh, theater of refusal and which kind of was a show with these different works of art and showed next to um all of this art criticism that was kind of like talking about how the work was all identity art um and so he kind of wanted to like juxtapose those things like right next to each other and he really talked about that you know why do we have to see that as like a limit like who says that that experience that identity is a limit like why like how do we engage how do we engage with work in a way that opens it up and makes it infinite mm. which i thought was i was like oh uh-huh <laughs> yeah it's your jam yeah. <laughs> well that also reminds me of the the workshop the writing workshop that you um offered like mm. what two months ago or something at lace um which was 
kind of build as like a like yeah we're gonna come together and like maybe write some stuff but also like kind of perform and like workshop other things like we're writing through action so like i don't know just like come through and i was like yeah all right like then like in 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 that like sort of invitation was kind of just like yeah like this is so dylan you know and i get there not knowing really what to expect um but like the prompts for the prompts for our writing exercises weren't just like okay like now think of this and then like think of this and then write for a few minutes but like as we're writing we're like also like guiding people with their eyes closed around the room we're like performing with like yellow and blue like plexi uh uh panels and uh being instructed to hold like a foil hooded parka thing over a fan and it became this like like i remember when i pulled out enough times to look around the room while people are either writing or just like following these like uh like basically like performance scores i'm like holy shit this is like this is and this is like a performance a show this is an exhibition for like an audience of like the participants you know like it wasn't like come to this thing and be a distant viewer that's like watching this thing it's like come to this show but like 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 make make it with me like make the work with me and i thought that that was like just super beautiful um and i guess i want to ask like how it like does that feel like the beginning of uh what you were just talking about like just sort of like opening this up or do you find yourself like at um maybe like a a, a crux and 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 um starting to follow this line of having people not just like around um as like viewer supporters but like also around in the making I think it kind of acknowledges what is already, you know, like I was saying, that it's already like we're co-creating, you know, so much of, of these works. And so art kind of often functions in this way where there's like one author, even though there's a lot of different kind of um, moving parts that have gone into it and different people. Um, so to just sort of like acknowledge that and then also I mean I, I'm, I'm just like a very awkward nervous person and somehow like continue to sort of accidentally find myself like in a performance situation and I'm like oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so like with that one when I was asked to perform at least um, I was kind of like okay maybe there's some like information in my resistance like I'm nervous mm-hmm. Like, what do, what, what do I do? I don't want people to look at me. So I was like, okay, usually I'm just like, pull it together, Mira, let's go. <laughs> um, which, you know, I think that's an idea that's handed to us, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter if you're comfortable or not. Like, who cares? You're going to do this. Um, and so within that, I was able to be like, okay, there's a lot of different practices that I do within my work, even to just like acclimate myself to the point of where I'm like, okay, letting things, figuring out how to like let stuff out. Um, yeah, and just being like, let's do that together. Like, I don't want to feel away from the audience. I don't want to feel like a lot of people are watching me and that, like, I have in that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's like I'll never be in that um, sort of uh, setup again, but I was kind of like, I don't really want to put do that thing where now I, like, hide for many months to like try to put something together and then be like, hey, you guys, like I'm back, like come see me, I'm gonna tell you a thing. Um, but like, how can we can we use art as a mm. way to actually hang out and be together? And that there's a lot of experiences that I have like when I'm working on stuff that I'm also interested in being like instead of me 
instead of like trying to find a way to communicate the experience like what like can you just have the experience so the last sort of prompt was like uh as like as we're as we were writing dylan comes around and like pops a grapefruit and like a like a small blade next to each of us and are like writing and then like doesn't say a word we're just kind of like uh and then uh through like at some point just mention that like think of a word and then carve it into the skin of the grapefruit and so the room's like filling with like the scent of like grapefruit and then uh we're instructed to like like have the grapefruit like so if this is the carving just like facing outward and then lay on the floor like rest our foreheads on the grapefruit so i do this and i just like feel the juices start to like (laughs) ooze out of this word that i carved into the and like i look the whole room is like lying on top of like a grapefruit and i was just like she's a fucking genius like this is like like this is what you're like like and that word i still remember it you know very vividly um tandem and it like it comes it comes up a lot like in just in like my thinking and like in the studio when i'm just like oh yeah like things like working in parallel and like tandem and it's like a word that like i still hang on to because i fucking carved it in the face of a grapefruit and then pressed my forehead to it it's like in me now you're listening to the people on k-chung 1630 a.m i'm matthew timmons And I'm Ben White. Remember, you can find us on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for The People Radio. And you can also find us at insertblancpress.net. And now back to our conversation with E.J. Hill and Dylan Mira. So, E.J., you were in a video of Dylan's, A Woman Is Not A Woman, in a portion of the video. Um, Can you guys tell us about how that came about? Um, Well, I... For a while, I had this image in my mind of um, two people passing a cactus back and forth. I think maybe in my mind it was kind of my mom and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, I asked if you would come over um, and do something with a cactus with me. <laughs> and you were like, cool. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of different props that I thought that we could use to um, do this. And actually, like when you're planting, a cactus there are all these special tools that people use because it is hard to hold a cactus and pick it up and move it around um and so we did a few we videotaped trying it in a couple different ways and there was like some we tried some sponges and different things yeah i remember the yellow sponges probably most vividly because it like it was a it was a very strange sensation like if 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 nails on a chalkboard had like a like a counter it would be sponge on a cactus you know like (laughs) there was like a different kind of like like i felt it all in my body it was weird um you and then at some point you were just like rubbing the sponges together and you were like this is a thing (laughs) and it was and they had like this real they had this like resistance to each other and they made Mm -hmm. this sound and then at some point you were like well i mean can we just pick it up with our hands and I was like I think you can kind of hear me just whispering like so quietly in the video like this is so you (laughs) yeah it is yeah because I was just like well so what does this feel like you know Mm -hmm. like it might hurt but like how how much will it hurt yeah curious (laughs) I was scared but it it didn't really hurt no you just had to be like really careful yeah how does that like that experimentation and like tactility or I guess you would say like how does that Mm. how does that play in the video 
I mean, I'm interested in texture as like a way of communicating and um, sharing information. Um, and in general, I guess like across my practice, and, and this is something that I think became really strong in that video, um, this kind of practice of decolonizing knowledge mm. and how thinking about like, thinking and feeling actually about how we're communicating and how we share information. So that was, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know where that was gonna go or even if that is what that was about. But I think over time I've been like, oh, like this is this conversation that we're having that is through feelings. Mm -hmm. And so when EJ, you're like, well, let's just, just pick this thing up and you were like that's so you <laughs> what what's that like what was so you about just uh i think i think maybe uh this sort of impulse to to approach a line that um you know there, there are all of these precautions around a thing or an action or maybe we can call them like boundaries or something to to contain a thing and in this instance the thing was handling a, a cactus um so there's like sponges there's like gloves there's all all of these things that uh have um as dylan mentioned uh sort of um been adopted i guess in like cactus planting yeah um, you know, it's like it's like that's the thing so i'm just kind of like all right cool like this is these parameters are in place for this to uh like function efficiently so like what happens if we like stretch this a little bit and like maybe like kind of obliterate the boundaries or maybe just test them a little bit and like how else can we can we perform this function um without being totally contained by uh you know by its sort of boundaries or parameters that have been um placed developed adopted um also i just i, I don't know maybe i'm like kind of a, a masochist <laughs> like let's be like totally real about it like i don't know i was just like oh my god what's this gonna feel like uh, yeah. Just, yeah you know i wanted i wanted it to um i wanted i wanted to feel it well you got to be prepared to hurt yourself to when you're deconstructing master narratives right <laughs> i think so right yeah right yeah. like there's so many kind of like layers between i think us and our intuition and our feelings and these layers of um, protection mm. and then the prescribed tools. And yeah, you really showed up and we're like, okay, like what is it like when we really get into it? It's interesting, There's I, I filmed actually some other people doing it too and there was a, I did film my friend and her mother passing the cactus. And it was so intense. Like they just, they were like started swinging it around and like throwing it upside down. And they had this kind of like loofah back scratching scrub. And it was just like, it got, I was, I, I, I had this real connection with the cactus where I was like, okay, it's time to put it back in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I mean, I'm interested in that, yeah, the relationship between, I don't know, like what, like can the object feel? Mm -hmm. And like, what mm -hmm. is our communication? Like all communication is hard mm -hmm. and how are the ways that we're communicating and then even like across like, you know, like between people and across language and across subjectivity and across species. So, Damn. yeah. And in this space, maybe the cactus was just like a thing for people to sort of like work through their 
shit with, you know? Like, it just became, like, the vessel for, like, what we maybe were going to do anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Or what we what we do mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Huh. And, I mean, that was probably, that was, like, one of the early things that I did with that piece, I think. And I, I wonder, actually, how you feel about this. Like, if you can talk about how you maybe get into making something because I think in my process you know I had been doing like like we did this performance and I had a couple other performances of um, people um, rubbing aluminum foil onto each other's faces so there's also this thing of like texture and like the lateral kind of information of feeling and sharing and like how do you like recognize through that and then I had what I thought was like very different research happening at the same time about the Little Mermaid statue in Copenhagen, which I kind of like fell into because I learned that it was um, one of the most vandalized uh, pieces of public art in the world. Like she's been decapitated a few times and been exploded and like stolen. Like the actual statue that's on display is not the original one. And then as I started studying this sculpture and like getting into like the like what is this mermaid story and what's the history and because that sculpture is based on the Little Mermaid um, fairy tale and then getting back into the mythology of that when I followed it for a while it was I found that one of the earliest mermaid sightings um, in history is also the first written record of a European in Korea. (laughs) so then it got to this place of like okay like how do how how do we become human and Mm. like who decides you know and that and this was based on like a shipwrecked dutch sailor um seeing um female divers in the south of korea which has been like a centuries old practice so Somehow all of these things after a while came together. I was like, okay, maybe this all like tells a story and tells a story that is something that's out there, but also that like I came through from experiencing and kind Mm. of following these different threads and weaving these different threads together that I felt like ultimately had a relationship around history and like how do we come to know what we know and... um, who decides what those methods are and like who gets to write history and like how is that communicated but I think it was a that was it was like a newer developing process for me that I'm like much more aware of now but so yeah I guess I'm curious for you like how do you go about making a thing beginning yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well I think I think actually um that might be part of why uh i think we sort of connect on that level because it is it's like very kind of um uh gut based i would say you like follow a thread that just like you like you pick at it for a while you're like oh what's this and then you follow it down and then you know your uh entire thing's unraveled but like you find something in the unraveling um before i talk about like starting like how i start a thing uh, when you when you were mentioning that just now uh, and like connecting the lines and and maybe uh, learning through like a develop a developing a narrative or or investigating a narrative, it reminds me of something you made a while ago, um, uh, where there, like you had just bought a car like shortly after moving to LA, <laughs> and like you bought a car from like some like Craigslist dude or something, 
Um, an artist. Right. Okay. So <laughs> you bought a car from an artist. Uh, but like you made this work that was like uh, sort of like trying to uncover who this like mystery person was or this person that you bought this thing from because like cars in Los Angeles become like it's like a glove for us, you know, um, and it, it, it's like a it becomes an exact fit for the owner, the driver. And so there were like books left in the trunk um, and like maybe like empty like Pepsi bottles in the backseat, like all these things that like hinted at a person. And I remember you making this work, like presenting your like findings, almost like this like archival sort of like digging of a contemporary like male and like artist male in like Los Angeles and presenting the contents of this car that you had just bought. And it was immediately like, oh shit, she's just like really, really trying to figure out like her and our position in like this whole our position in this whole thing that we're doing you know and I thought that that was like really cool to just be like I don't know just like figuring this thing out so I think in line with that when I'm just kind of like walking through the world existing um and there are like forces um enacting themselves upon my body and like me reacting to those things as a person in the world um uh, you know, within a myriad of identifications. Um, I'm just kind of like also trying to figure out where I fit and how I fit alongside other people. Um, and a lot of that because I feel things so intensely, um, much of the work comes or, or manifests in, in a way of like uh, sort of like making the internal feelings external so so that I can like ground them in like a in a reality um and sometimes those things come out um looking like they hurt a little bit um mm -hmm. because you know it's what I feel sometimes and then I guess it makes me think about like like your your current piece that you have up um at human resources and kind of the history of that um thinking about like that there is within the um the the structure of the roller coaster um that there's like both this idea and like desire and celebration of elevation and then also within the roller coaster there's this um there's like there's there's danger and there's and there's fear and there's like a certain kind of within also being elevated as a certain kind of like scrutiny. So I guess yeah, it, may, it makes me wonder about what does it feel like to share a feeling, like when you externalize a feeling like you're talking about, and then and sometimes that feeling looks like it hurts, um, and that there is pain in that feeling. Like what else is it like when you're able to share that experience uh it's a huge release you know it's it's like a catharsis um because otherwise it's just sitting in me forever mm -hmm. um and the funny thing about that too is that like it 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 is sort of like placed onto and within me um so like i don't form it by myself but yet i'm i'm um more prone to like holding it all by mm -hmm. myself you know so if I'm if I'm thinking of like these these like sort of social transactions where like a person is in the world and like we're all sort of like uh, creating 
um, in air or an environment where we're pressing up against each other um, psychologically, emotionally. Um, uh, it's a bummer that like we like usually we can't like it's it's sort of like frowned upon to sort of like put that back out into the world as you're processing it. Like you're 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 supposed to hold on to it yourself um, and deal with it uh, because like you know everyone has their own shit to deal with or whatever is the idea I guess but like if I'm not forming this by myself then like why can't I process it with the same like forces or people that kind of um administer it you know yeah um so yeah it's a, it's like a release it's a catharsis it's um maybe a necessary like uh shedding you're listening to the people in Kei Chung 1630 AM I'm Ben White and I'm Matthew Timmons. Uh, you can find us at iTunes by searching for The People Radio in the iTunes store. And really, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. But when you are at iTunes, it would be really great if you subscribe to the show or even better, rate the show and leave us a little review. That would be great. Yes, please do that. You can also go to insertblancpress.net and click on The People at the top of the page. And that's where you can get this and every other episode for free. And now back to our conversation with EJ Hill and Dylan Mira. The Ace of Discs. I like how there's so many connections within it. Like, it's like this epic Vesica Pisces of all these kind of, like, different, like, materials and, and veins and how, like, everything, like, overlaps and, like, circles around and becomes... I don't know. Yeah, there's both, like, a, like a multiplicity and a unity. Um, the... Gerd says, um, the card represents inner and outer richness, great success, unification of the body and soul, material and spirit, heaven and earth, wholeness. Well, that's cool. I mean, I guess it's thinking about, like, because we were kind of like, okay, we're in the last segment. Like, what do we get into here? And we had already talked about mm, some notions around presence and absence and the body and the work and where that is um and this is kind of interesting like the unification of these things i don't know and this idea of wholeness which like which you kind of touched on like uh earlier actually you know uh i mean but also like as actually for as long as i've known you uh this has been something that you turn to um, which I isn't, which is a pretty like Butero? new for me. Yeah, oh. actually. So it's like, and, and, and it's actually, it's pretty sweet to, to have this thing that like, um, uh, that comes back to me, like presents itself in my life via you, which is kind of cool. So I want like, when, when did this, like, how does this factor into like your daily living, your art practice, just like how you manage being in the world like when you're looking to these cards i know i'm like oh gosh history of tarot in my life i'm thinking about like i think my my half brother gave me a tarot deck when i was i think i was like 13 and i remember doing a reading at my friend's house and her grandmother walked in and screamed witch she was like really freaked out. I think she was like deeply Catholic and just started screaming witch. And I like ran out of the house and I was like running down the street and they lived in like the suburbs kind of like outside of North Philly. And then 
so I remember somebody calling me a skater chink as I was like run, like trying to find the subway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's interesting. This is like intersection of like, you know, the, the outsider. <laughs> That's <laughs> really far out. <laughs> like all in one experience. <laughs> totally. Um, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a relationship. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I guess, yeah, like I've said, you know, I try to look to a lot of different resources um, within, you know, like what my process is. And um, I don't know, the Tarot is like whether you believe in it or not or how much like you know about it. I think it is cool because it's kind of a chance to meditate on something. And it also, there is a belief that there's a belief in chance and that there is something within the images that can speak to us, I guess. Well, how does that transfer into, and it goes for the both of y'all's, y'all's work is highly orchestrated. Like it's very meticulously put together. It doesn't seem like it has that much of an element of chance to mm. it, but I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I actually think no I think I would I would say that's pretty accurate because I think uh, both Dylan and I are like extreme feelers for sure and one would one would think that if something's so rooted in like feelings and it's like just about that but I know uh, for like my process as, as well as yours like gets like thought about over like <laughs> months <laughs> you know like we like obsess over a certain thing or a set of things um, that, yeah, might be rooted in how we feel about it initially, but then that gets refined and put through a very meticulous process, I would say. So, yeah, it's like very, um, yeah, very considered, um, but 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 also allowing space f for chance and, and, and allowing enough room within the work and within the process um, for it to tell us what it needs because at a certain point like we're no longer the the um i guess like you know one pulling the strings like the work eventually lets us know what it needs yeah i think it yeah it speaks to that element of like when you acknowledge that you're not completely in control and also just like questioning i don't know that kind of control or mastery um how how would that control or mastery relate to what you guys were talking about with absence and presence, like mm -hmm. of the body specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that reminds me. The so the card said this um, that it represents one of the things it represents is wholeness, and I immediately got like a little bit irked by that, and that I've just been thinking a lot lately about. Um, that wholeness doesn't necessarily have to be like wellness and to like acknowledge that like maybe we're not whole um whether through like I was saying before like the entanglement of love but just also thinking about like trauma and and this idea of like okay like get into your body get grounded and that kind of like concept and Sometimes, like, the, I, I really struggle with that a lot, where I'm like, I'm not in my body. Mm. I'm not grounded. Like, I'm not really always sure how to do that. It's scary. It's hard. Um, 
And just, yeah, thinking that there's like a kind of power in that too, just to be like, you know, in like a harm reduction way that it's mm. like, oh, maybe I'm not in my body, but like, while we're out here, let's remember that we can fly. Mm. Do you think that it's like m more difficult, um, you know, for those of us in bodies who like, you know, queers, women, people of color, um, differently abled, uh, poor, like have um, experienced maybe difficulty being so rooted in body because because the body our bodies are so um charged and and loaded like do you think that it's um the the sort of like struggle to remain grounded um is rooted in maybe like wanting to escape these skins yeah i think wanting to escape also being like pushed out of the body Right, I mean, it's like part of like having this consciousness outside of the body in relationship to trauma is like a form of the body protecting itself, mm. um, which is it's really powerful, right? So there's part like I want to acknowledge like there's this whole ability that like my body, my psyche has to be like, okay, like maybe you're not ready for this. Like we're gonna like take you somewhere. And it's, right. you know, there's this kind of travel that's possible that is also like born of violence but it's also like okay this is like maybe a road that i'm on and then also acknowledging that the concept of like the human man singular as we know it is constructed and that is constructed by like this white supremacist cis patriarchy um that we're even considering kind of like the singular whole body in that way, you know, and that there's like so many other modes of being. So yeah, I'm always kind of like struggling with this thing of wholeness and also mm. being like, I do want to get into my body. What's going mm. on there? So I think, yeah, like a lot of my work is kind of like trying to like, you know, be like, okay, like how do we, how can we get in the body? Mm -hmm. And also how do we acknowledge like all of the different ways that we kind of move around it? But I think, yeah, so that is something in both of our work, this, this struggle around how do you show up in that body? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of something, um, uh, there's a, I can't remember the name, it's some crazy name, but like when people, um, when people pass out at the sight of blood or something or like mm. there's there's like a very specific name for uh when that happens it's basically the body being like you know what like i'm good on like being around for this <laughs> you know like can you deal with this actually <laughs> you know um but it's like a protective it's a protective kind of just like uh this is a little bit too much like to process on all levels so like we're gonna like shut the mind and eyes down, not the mind, but like maybe the eyes and like like a full like a full presence. We're gonna shut that down for a second and then let the sort of like biological processes of like bleeding or like whatever needs to happen. Um, the body pumps itself full of adrenaline, like whatever it does on a sort of like cellular biological level. Um, people faint so that like they can kind of have like a break from all of that. Um, and then, like, it reminds me of also, like, people with, like, a what, DID, um, Dissociative Identity Disorder, when, when there's, like, a triggering event that, like, shows up, like, someone else, like, appears 
within like the like them to like deal with like certain um to process certain traumas um you know like the the person or the personality uh best equipped to deal with like this triggering situation will appear while like the the main you know captain of the body sort of like falls back a little bit um and so i think like in in terms of like uh you know again like all of us who sort of like maybe deal with like triggering events on a daily basis as it pertains to our bodies like we kind of have to um uh we have to you know perform and present different versions of ourselves depending on the context and i think um one of the beautiful parts of our relationship i think or why i feel so connected to you is that like we we can kind of like um in some ways like pass that off between each other even if that's like a dinner it's just kind of like wait that crazy shit happened to you like she said what and then i'm like yeah dylan and then we went to this bar and it was like totally crazy and it was a queer bar but like you know like this white man said something weird about like black shit and it's like there's all of these like very complex levels of like how we move through this space um and i think it's uh yeah like instead of having like a united states of terror moment where i'm like different people in the same body i can just have like you (laughs) You know, it's hard, like, I think people forget that, though, that it's like, like, just leaving the front door is a little bit harder for some of us than it is for others. Just like going out into the world every day is tougher Mm -hmm. for some. How do you feel like you deal with that in performance? Like a, like a demand to like, be a live body? I think that's actually probably why I am interested in moving away from the performances that, or the types of performances that have sort of like um, gotten a lot of traction over the the years, you know, these really aggressive, oftentimes violent uh, works. Mm. Um, I have come, you know, to, to figure out are in direct response to the sort of like the violence that like is you know aimed at my body um i was just sort of like flipping it and being like like we were saying earlier um if this isn't a solo act then like why can't i process it with all of you like if you're gonna throw this shit at me then like why can't i throw it back and if like we're feeling this really like gross like intense thing together like let's figure out how to get out of it together um but working working in those channels is like really exhausting and oftentimes it's at the benefit of like the aggressor and at my detriment, you know? Like I'm out here like maybe like quote unquote teaching a lesson to somebody or like trying to like start a conversation um, about very difficult things that I feel and live daily. Um, But it's again, oftentimes at the service of like them and at my like total like breaking apart. And so I think now the performances are now the work uh, and thinking about like body and presence and um, I, I want to offer that space up to other people because right now I I'm, I really want to focus on like healing and repair um, and like uh, offering spaces of like generative uh, I don't know yielding like beautiful fruit you know when you're presenting or representing um, like you're just saying it with the 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 more violent performance work that you do it's like the problematics of representing something so that somebody can see it mm-hmm. and yeah. recognize it is often like just a violence in and of itself. Even if you're, you know, 
I don't know. There's something about it. Like it has to, it has to do the thing so that someone can see it right. and recognize it. And then it's like, well, fuck. Right. That's just doing the thing. I mean, you know, that slippage between presentation and representation mm-hmm. um, is, is like this fine problematic that I don't even know where it's it goes. Such but. a fine line. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I this made me think about that I've been interested in this thing of your work in the past where, like, in a lot of these intense situations that um, you present, that there are moments where people interject, like the audience, uh, like, mm-hmm. steps in, and that I've been interested in, like, how that's developed, that it feels like, you know, you're doing this something some kind of endurance based piece in which yeah like the jump rope piece and then at elizabeth foundation for the arts climbing the stairs for Mm -hmm. was it for 12 hours i think like just over nine hours and then people started like so in the the fence mechanisms like you know people like it came and like took care of your body and then in the elizabeth foundation piece people started walking the stairs with you Mm -hmm. and like bring you water and that that there was this it started to feel like you were creating kind of like a question almost for the audience like how much are you willing to see Mm -hmm. without like feeling like you're kind of like complicit like that there's like something that you could do um and that that was interesting to me about the human resources piece that i don't know it was almost like that that like love was something that like you had internalized in the piece where you were like actually like i am going to declare now that like i would like other people to come out here well, EJ and Dylan, thank you guys for being on the people. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having, for having us. us. Yeah. You've been listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. Remember, you can find us on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for The People Radio. And remember to rate and review us if you have a chance when you're there. You can also find us at insertblancpress.net. And you can find us wherever you find podcasts like Stitcher. Um, and you can also find us at SoundCloud. And there you can find other kind of bonus material from poetry readings and various other events that we do. And you can find us on Facebook. So please like us on Facebook, please. And our theme music, as always, is Ock Fifth by Lewis Keller. And we're going to go out with a song from L.A. band Fuck You Pay Us, a.k.a. Fupu. Uh, you can find more of their music at Bandcamp, uh, on Bandcamp, that is, at F-U-C-K-U-Payus.Bandcamp.com. And the name of this track is Spiritual Warfare.